Hey, good day, Lincoln. It's 11.05. How you doing today? It is already Wednesday, August 17th. Welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection. Hi, I'm Bob H. with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, planting Nebraska each and every day. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't want that, want that to happen. Sorry there, John. You are doggone good, though. All right. Well, uh, yeah, welcome to the program each and every Wednesday, 11 till noon, right here on your favorite radio station, KZUM Lincoln. All right. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. Top 10 weather, hooky alert day. You just want to take off and then bask in it, right? Man, wall-to-wall sunshine, a high of 80 degrees today, low humidity. We deserve this after putting up with that crud for, what, three weeks, something like that. And a good rain the other night. That was sweet to see because, man, it was, uh, well, we were all getting a little concerned. Just are we ever going to see rain again? And, uh, man, I honestly don't even know what was in the gauge because uh, I was watering where the gauge was. And, well, some of that watering got in the gauge, so I wasn't going to be an accurate reading. Uh, so, anyway, if you know how much rain you got, text me and because uh, I'm I'm curious and I'll let everybody know. But, no, no, it was definitely a savior rain, that's for sure, a million-dollar rain, whatever you wanted to call it. It was much appreciated and, and, uh, and overdue. And there is a chance of rain, I think they said tomorrow, late tomorrow night, uh, something like that. So, I don't know what it is, 20 30%, something like that. But maybe that chance will go up. We'll see. Maybe we'll luck out and get something out of that too, right? But, you know, we've been dry. But I tell you what, uh, it could be a lot worse, right? Uh, you know, Lincoln, I think, well, last time I checked in the paper, I think it was Sunday or Monday's paper, uh, We were uh, prior to that rain, we were like uh, three inches below normal. So go figure, you know, only three inches, people. And uh, 2012, I'll let you know, I think we're around nine or 10 inches below normal in 2012, our last big drought. So yes, it was droughty, but kind of par with the course for Nebraska. So uh, two to three inches below normal, you know, certainly can happen. Or it can be two to three inches above normal, but it doesn't mean the end of the world, man, right? All right, somebody just texted me. Let's see. Oh, yeah, half inch. Yeah, half inch, Aaron. Come on, man. I thought we'd get more out of that baby. But, uh, you know, as most of the rain that had been coming, it seems like it dies when it gets to Lincoln or it's a, you know, a county south of us or a county north of us. But at least some more parts of Nebraska got rain that desperately needed it. I know there was some good rain down in the southwestern part of the state in the Cook area and uh, it looked like uh, Valentine area and out in the Sand Hills as well um, much needed moisture for them as well so it was a good system provided some good stuff Maynard okay let's see on the show today I have Barbara Salvatore she's going to be calling in here any minute now and uh, we will talk plants in this fastest hour in radio we're going to try to get through well <laughs> our goal is to get through six of them we'll see if we're able to make that but we'll we'll certainly talk about uh, enough of them that with our ongoing series plant stories life medicines and uh, you know it's been what a couple months since i've had barbara on the show so welcome uh, i'm going to look forward to welcoming barbara on the show here and uh, we'll have fun talking plants. We're going to talk, well, for sure, we'll talk about bone set, which I talked a little bit about a couple weeks ago, I think it was, uh, that important herb. And uh, I appreciated a listener pointing out that uh, you must go with the dried herb. I believe they had let me know that, or maybe it was some other 
Avenue. Anyway, uh, and then we're going to talk about Joe Pye, the famous Joe Pye weed. And we're also going to talk about vervains and cattails. Those four for sure. If we get to milkweed and St. John's wort, we'll be doing good. But we'll uh, we'll sure do our best to try to rifle through those plants and talk to you about why they are important. And I'll tell you things like bone set. Bone set is a eupatorium, uh, which is a cousin of the Joe Pye weed. It has these oh, white-topped flowers. If you Google uh, common bone set or bone set, you'll see what it looks like. And maybe you've bumped into it out in a prairie or in nature. It tends to occupy more low prairies or, you know, areas that are periodically moist and whatnot. But in the garden, very, very easy to grow, just like Joe Pye weed is. Uh, Joe Pye is a sweet Joe Pye. There's, there's, I don't know, half dozen species I can think of, something like that. But they're all good for the garden, easy for the garden, and top 10 pollinator plants, no doubt about it. The bees and butterflies just go crazy for them. And I think there's a reason the bees and butterflies go crazy for them. There's something in that nectar that benefits them as well. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And then the verveins, uh, verveins for nerve pain. We'll talk to Barbara about the verveins. So you've got one called a hoary vervain. And again, if you're near a computer, you can Google what that looks like. You've probably seen it out there before. Hori, H-O-A-R-Y, Hori Vervain, and then you have Blue Vervain. And uh, I want to get the scoop from Barbara on the differences um, uh, medicinally. Uh, the Blue Vervain is what you'll find more information about online, about uh, its medicinal uses. So anyway, yeah, so... Yeah, the blue vervain uh, is more common. Uh, you can consider both of them weeds. and People in Nebraska consider them weeds. And uh, so this is a plant in abundance trying to, you know, tell us something. I'm useful. And uh, hoary vervain tends to not get grazed by cattle. And uh, maybe I'll talk to Barbara about that, why that might be. Maybe it's a very bitter herb. Who knows? But the cattle kind of leave it alone. So ranchers and whatnot call it a weed because, well, it tends to... Uh, Occupy those overgrazed areas that are kind of void of grass, and the hoary vervain says, "I'm moving in, buddy." And then the blue vervain, you'll see more in uh, oh road ditches, low areas, uh, you know, edges of of waterways, things like that. So it's more of a wet loving uh, bird. Uh, blue vervain is than the hoary vervain, which you'll see in dry, open, uh, overgrazed pastures and things like that, prairies, dry places. <clears throat> and then of course, a cattail. My oh my, uh, nature's breadbasket. And the, the challenge we have with cattails is where to harvest a cattail that's not absorbing all the, you know, the, the bad stuff um, coming out of a waterway, you know. So if you're going to be harvesting cattails, you want to make sure, you know, it's not absorbing a bunch of chemicals from some sort of, uh, you know, upland stream that has uh, nasty stuff in it, right? So that's a key thing, too. So we're going to chat about a lot of different plants today with Barbara. Looking forward to that. Barbara, is that you? Hello, Bob. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Not too bad. I was just uh, yakking about plants. Go figure, right? <laughs> yes, I was listening and also wanted to chime in about my gratitude for that rain. We got one 
and a quarter inches here. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. One and a quarter, and Aaron had texted me back out at uh, Prairie Pines. They had, wait, no, two inches at Horning, which is near um, Plattsmouth. So, again, parts of Nebraska, like you guys, you lucked out with that inch and a half, man. But I think Lincoln, uh, half inch, depending on where you live, half inch, maybe a little more, some places, a little less others. But, hey. We'll it was t- a good, long soaking through the night. No doubt. That's awesome to hear. Well, good, good for you. How are you? Do you know at all how below normal you might be right now? Oh no, but I should look that up. But I know, you know, we were a month without a good rain. Yeah, yeah, so it was just it, uh, a lot of brown fields around here. Yeah, blown, a, a broken record, and then you know, no rain, and uh, and then triple di- digit heat, and if not triple digit heat. What felt like triple-digit humidity. All right. Well, Barbara, thanks for coming back on the program, folks. Barbara Salvatore, bighorsewoman.com. You can get in touch with Barbara. Say hi. Say, hey, man, that I, you know, I'm looking for more information on whatever plants we talk about today. Uh, Barbara is an author and an herbalist and an artist from Little Vertigree, Nebraska, up in the northeast corner of the state. And Barbara uh, and I have been on the program, and and I'm saying this, Barbara, in case people are new to it, uh, we have a a series, usually once a month, sometimes a little longer, uh, called Plant Stories Life Medicines, where we invite you to listen in about herbal remedies. And, uh, And Barbara, I do have to say a little disclosure, why I may... Well, we may recommend certain herbs and foods uh, for any illnesses or allergies, skin conditions, whatever, even natural beauty care, household cleaning, whatever. Um, As a consumer, use what we say to research that further on your end, right? We're, we're not, yes. yeah, we're not doctors. We're not, we're, we're, you know, Barbara's an herbalist. I'm certainly not, but uh, not a, you know, we're not licensed practitioners, but we're, we're here to really open your mind to say, I need to learn more about that, right? Um, one plant at a time. One plant at a time. And there's, uh, yeah, and it's kind of fun to take that and get to know that plant better. You will be glad you did because, I mean, plants, people, without them, we're doomed. And uh, you need to, you know that already. That's why you're listening to How's It Growing. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, there's so much information. Thank goodness for the internet now. Uh, but go to a trusted source, right, uh, Barbara, for more information online? Yes. Um, my rule used to be before internet, I had to find the information in at least six books and verified safe to use with children because they were often my guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You can definitely verify their use. Well, Barbara, let's let's dive right in and talk about, introduce people to some plants that they need to need, need to include in their garden because as before you came on, well, there's, there's some that may not be so suited for garden use uh, depending how you look at it, but Man, the, these first two plants are woefully overlooked in the garden, and uh, bone set is one I want to talk about first. And uh, uh, bone set, um, honestly, I've seen it out in prairies and whatnot, natural areas, but I had never grown it in the garden before. So finally, this year, I planted oh four little three-inch plugs, and those babies took right off and and easy to grow. And uh, do you have it in the garden at home, or do you find places to harvest this plant in the wilds? Um, I don't have it here at home. I used to, but um, I often find it by creeks and in marshy places. They, like many of the plants we'll talk about today, like to have wet feet. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, you'll find bone set. And if you're lucky enough to find Joe Pye weed in the wild, it will be in the same environment, mm-hmm. along with milkweed and vervain and others that we're going to talk about today. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so you might see it, but chances are you're probably not. So you can, uh, like me, I ordered the seed from Prairie Moon Nursery, grew it myself, boom, and uh, the rest is history. So, you know, the the chances of you bumping it, I've never bumped into it in and around Lincoln that I can think of, but it's 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 a good indicator that this prairie has probably not been plowed before. Uh, let's put it that way. It's a good indicator plant, so it's not very common, but you need it in your garden and and I was telling them too, Barbara, about if nothing else, if you're into pollinator plants, which you should be, um, the bees go crazy for bone set, wouldn't you say? Yes, they do. Bees and butterflies and a lot of other little pollinators. And they seem to be a haven for spiders as well. Oh, really? So I, whenever I take pictures, I'm always capturing odd-looking spiders and spiders I've never met before. Yeah, it's one of those uh, wildflowers that they clamor over, and uh, I'm convinced certain in- these insects are clamoring over them because they're after the same medicinal benefits we are, and, and who knows, <laughs> right? But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so so let's talk about bone set um, a, a little bit and uh, kind of its, its go-to uses, I guess. Sure. Um, I first experienced bone set as a fever reducer, and it's so bitter, you know, the tea is really hard to swallow just by itself. You want to add syrups or honey to it, but the tincture is easy to digest and it almost has an immediate effect on lowering fevers. I've used it with my children, with myself, with other relatives. And the you can use the blossoms fresh. I heard you say earlier that someone recommended to only use the plant dried yeah which is true of the leaves once the leaves are dried they'll make a much stronger medicine um i've never heard of not using the leaves fresh but when i make the tea it's always those flowers or the budding flowers that i prefer to use with a few of the top leaves i see i see one of the interesting identifiers about bone set and it was called bone set because it helps to strengthen the bones, not necessarily that it helps to heal broken bones, but it would often people would have broken bones or brittle bones as a result of illnesses and high fevers. So that's how it got its name. But also one clue to that is how the leaves join at the stem in a way that don't on most plants, it forms like a cup with the two leaves coming from each side forming at that stem. Uh huh, and that is really a, attractive too to us humans. Just to look at it, it's a very architectural plant, and you know, like you'll have yes. these long, uh, oh, uh, how do you describe that leaf? A long linear leaf that kind of comes to a taper or a point, and then, like you say, joined at the middle, and then so you have two leaves opposite of each other, and then you go up about an inch or two, and then there's another set of leaves facing the other direction, so it goes back and forth and back and forth all the way up the plant. It's really cool, right? Like a ladder. You know, what I found online is fresh bone set uh, contains a chemical called Tremerol, T-R-E-M-E-R-O-L, a toxic chemical which can cause rapid breathing and vomiting. Higher doses can even cause coma and death. Dried bone set does not contain Tremerol. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's what that person was referring to. And and so that was good to, to 
dis- to discover. So I think. Oh, I, I'm learning something new. Yeah. That's so good. I think I'm. What I'm thinking then is to be safe, right? Dry it, and and you know. But like you said, you've been using the flower tops fresh for a long time on your kids and everything. But what you're saying, Barbara, it's probably best to preserve this herb via a tincture, or would you say just go ahead and dry it and then break it out? And in other words don't use it as a daily thing use it when you need it but how do i best preserve it oh yeah it's not anything you'd want to use for more than a week or so but drying it just hanging it upside down and usually i will hang it upside down and closed in a paper bag because it like dandelion when those flowers and they might continue to progress in the bag they'll get all puffy and might fly away so you Uh will also save any seeds that they're forming that way in the bottom of the bag. Mm. So that's how I dry those. Are you saying then that even though some fluff might come away as it continues to mature in that bag, go ahead and use that part for the tea or save that stuff that comes off for seed? Can you use it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. If, If it does form seed, if you find seed, then I would save the seed and not drink it up. Gotcha. But the rest of the blossom and you know, the brittle parts of the leaves you could add to the tea. Very good. It is very bitter, as many of the plants, like Joe Pieweed and Vervain, that we'll talk about today. I heard you say that cows don't eat Vervain, and I think that's the reason. It's very bitter. Yes, that's that's kind of what I was Not thinking. Not palatable. Too. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. You know, they might nibble on it, but they're like, oh, no. You know, it's... it's uh, it, to range managers, they call it an increaser versus a decreaser because as the cows graze and they're kept in a pasture too long, they tend to, you know, hammer certain plants like lead plant, for example. If it's on a prairie that's never been plowed and cows are let in there for too long, they'll munch that lead plant down to nothing. And if they continue to munch it down to nothing, lead plant disappears, right? That's why you got to move, move them around and uh, not let them overgraze a pasture. And that's what tends to happen is it gets overgrazed and then plants like the vervain moose says, hello, I'm moving in. <laughs> I see open ground. Yeah, so yeah. so anyway, so so fever reducer um, and any other great... Uh, so basically during cold and flu season, this is something you want in your medicine chest. Yes, cold, flus, and, you know, this... COVID that's spreading still, it actually helps the replication of viral cells so that it, you know, it protects our cells against the viruses and interferes with the replication of the virus. Um, it's antibacterial and sometimes it's used externally, but mostly it's for the purpose of colds, flus, fevers, and inflammation of any kind. So as a diaphoretic it's very powerful because it helps to reduce fevers and it's also good to just move toxins through the body it is just a a, a like a very important plant it sounds like right <laughs> yeah it cools your body down while releasing toxins through the skin and through the blood system and sometimes it will um also increase your need to urinate which helps to clean the kidneys so all of those things help in the healing process. It is a definite plan to put on your herbal medicine chest wish list, people. The, the bone set or eupatorium perfoliatum. And uh, and so, Barbara, which brings me a segue to another eupatorium. And uh, this eupatorium has uh, got a 
interesting name to people. I think uh, when I was learning, and I'm going, why would somebody call a plant Joe Pieweed? I'm like, come on, man. And it turns out Joe Pie was actually the name of a person, correct? Yes, they don't know if it's a misspelling of the actual native name, but it has been spelled Joe, J-O-E, Pie, P-Y-E, for some time now. And it's related to, it's a eupatorium as well as bone set, but it, you can tell the difference because it looks more like milkweed as the colors of the flowers are very similar and it can grow up to 10 feet tall. I've seen it seven or eight feet tall, yeah, but it's really striking. And from a distance, you'll see it and say, wow, that milkweed went wild. But uh-huh. then you get up closer and say, that's not milkweed. Yes, no doubt. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And, uh, yeah, and, and it's just, a, as I was saying, a great garden plant. There's a selection out there in the trade called Gateway. And Gateway, somebody, I don't know where it was discovered, whatever, out of nature, it was a shorter plant compared to what, uh, like you said, it can get up to eight feet tall. And that scares people. People are afraid of big plants. And, and so Gateway was kind of the, the industry's answer to like, here's one that's a little shorter. And what we mean by oh. shorter is five feet. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you know, five feet's still a pretty big plant, people. But, man, I've seen this gateway, uh, Barbara, with, you know, the heads, the flowering heads are at least a foot across. Just amazing uh, floral display. And uh, just coming on now, I would say, probably not up in your neck of the woods, but in Lincoln, uh, they're, they're, they're blooming now. They're just starting. And impressive plant uh, for the garden, for, man, pollinators go crazy for it it as well but i'm curious barbara so the so the joe pie was uh uh was it was joe pie a medicine man or what i i haven't read many details about him but um they also think it's a phonetic translation for jopi or joe pie which was an early native american word for typhus so you know there are other Hmm. i've heard other references to the origin of the name but also that he was a native american in massachusetts oh really and history is not always recounted accurately Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you know one researcher said he was a mohegan satchel healer who lived in an area where the weed was used to cure an outbreak of typhus it's also called a typhus root by some of the tribes so oh really okay so that's one thing i was wondering um the uses of it um did they use a certain species or did they likely use whichever species was available because there are different species of joe pie weed uh i think there's one called sweet joe pie weed there's one called spotted joe pie weed uh yeah when i was looking into it last night i saw a listing of like eight different varieties. Oh so boy. I'm not sure which one the original users used, but it's also called gravel root because as well as lowering and reducing fevers, it was a very useful diuretic and it helped to break up kidney stones and bladder infections mm. and to induce sweating, which is also always a good way to get toxins and illnesses out of the body. Mm. And, and so when you're using this herb, is it traditionally used, uh, the Joe Pye weed, as the root? Or was it the the flowering, the, the flower buds, the leaves, any of those? Um, the- you know, you kind of follow the development of the plant. And when the, fl- the 
leaves are young, you can use the leaves if you need them. The flowers have a more palatable flavor. So the flower buds can be used while they're in bud or when they open. Okay. It's still okay, but it's best when they're just still at the bud stage. Okay. And when they're in full bloom, you can also harvest them to dry. The roots are harvested in the fall and chopped and dried to use throughout the winter seasons and cold seasons. Mm-hmm. And um, you can steep it just an ounce of the plant to a quart of boiling water and let it, the root you would have to let boil for longer. Of course, the flowers are more delicate. And that's the same with bone set as well. You know, I'm not sure I've ever used, I've never used the roots of bone set myself, but I'm not sure if the roots are commonly used of bone set, but both of them, the flowers, buds, and top leaves are what I dry for winter use. Gotcha, gotcha. So what I'm seeing here online, they talk about gravel root refers to the kidney or bladder stones that the the, the uh, purpurium, eupatorium purpurium, was supposed to eliminate. And then it says, modern science has not confirmed their efficiency or efficacy. And I'm like, right. okay, uh, yeah. And that, that, that you can see that statement with plant after plant after plant. And so somebody in modern science needs to be studying this stuff again. And I don't know, I'm, there probably is, but it's probably across the pond if it's being studied. From what I'm reading also here, um, the the gateway selection I was talking about, oh, poo, let's see if I can find that again, uh, was actually developed in Europe because the Europeans are in love with uh, just it as a garden plant. So go figure. And and a lot of Native American plants um, that were were pilfered from North America and brought over to Europe because they would send people on plant expeditions and they'd bring them back because, you know, the... Oh, the people that were in power said, basically, I want something that nobody else has. And, uh, well, North America, they fell in love with our wildflowers. And things like goldenrod, Barbara, have naturalized all over Europe, from what I understand. And uh, I imagine they have, their weeds are much like uh, our weeds, right, that we inherited from our European ancestors, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. it's it's just amazing how that works. And so, anyway. This, yeah, they've crossed the big water back and forth so So we have to learn to use what is in our environment without hating being the ones that have come from another place and if we all used those plants that grew around us they wouldn't i don't think they would become so invasive yes exactly no doubt about it well do you have a passage or a snippet to read uh from uh, one of your books on either bone set or joe pie I do have a short passage about bone set, and this is from the trail when Maggie goes west. Um, she's run over by her wagon, and in order to heal herself, this is what she does. Okay. It's called remedies. She did not have much appetite, but she ate some. Maggie dug through pokes and pouches, found lemon balm and catnip. These settled her nauseous belly, calmed her nerves, smelled good. She found remedies she needed in the burlap garden sacks, dry bone-set flowers, and chunky roots of knit bone. Over a candle, she boiled a tin cup of water, stirred in a handful of the bitter bone-set blossoms, and let it steep. The tin cup cooled, and she sipped the bone-set tea through the night to work from inside out. 
when she woke up, her leg was relaxed. Wow, so tell me the, the knit bone that she had put in that tea. Is the, What was that? What herb was that? Oh, that's a uh, folk name for comfrey. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Comfrey's a comforter. <laughs> yes. Excellent, excellent. So I, I had heard, and did you say there was the root of the comfrey, the little chunks of root, right, that she put in the yes. tea? Yes. And so I can't remember if I read somewhere where they talked about that being, I don't know, I don't want to say poisonous, but uh, just something you shouldn't consume internally. Is that true? Yeah, there are always warnings about comfrey because of the high alkaloids, but, um, you know, you'd have to eat yards full of it for it to have that effect. And taking it medicinally as a tincture or, you know, a few days in a row as a tea is not going to be harmful. Gotcha. And all, all of these because they are so bitter and have so many powerful chemicals come with warnings as you said about using during pregnancy and for small children so i've used them all safely with my own children but all of these things should be considered when researching them and using them very good okay well that was a great uh, snippet Uh, which book was that from then which which part of the series that was from the trail the trail very which good which is the third book when maggie moves west nice nice okay well i gotta i gotta ask uh where are we at with you with your book barbara so we can let our listeners know ah uh, well last week the final 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 third final version of yes. Woman was given to the editor and i'm you know her birthday is november 13th and if anything i swear across my heart that it will be out by then okay and i think i might release it earlier to just local nebraska friends excellent but uh, it will be on amazon on november 13th and tell uh can can listeners go to bighorsewoman.com and uh, put in a pre-order at all yep yes and, and i'm very happy i want to thank you because every time after we do a radio show i get a few more like uh you know, interest in the book and people signing up and you can get a 40-page sample of each book sent to you via email. Nice, 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 nice. All right, good stuff. Well, Barbara, I have to take a break. I'm going to keep you on the line. We're going to take a break for some messages here and we come back. Let's continue this fast hour in radio and we'll talk about uh, vervains and cattails, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Thank All right, you. Barbara. Thank you. Okay, I'm back. It's 1130 Eight right now in the capital city. Thank you for tuning in to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection. Hi, I'm Bob H. with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Joining me today is Barbara Salvatore, our ongoing series, Plant Stories, Life Medicines. And we're talking about good life medicines today. Barbara, welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging with me. We got a little more. Well, we we basically have uh, made it, how's it growing, rather than having two breaks, just one break at the bottom of the hour. So it's a little longer, but at least we only have one break, and we can continue talking about plants, right, <laughs> from here on out. So anyway. Even so, I can't believe it's 1138 Right. Already. It goes yeah. by so fast. It sure does, and uh, always does. And, uh, you know, that uh, we appreciate you, your time, and, uh, boy, that listeners, we appreciate you tuning in to How's It Growing and making it a part of your day. And Okay, so... So Barbara, we talked. We mentioned the vervains a little bit, and uh, 
First of all, people, it just has a cool name, Vervain. You know, come on, man. It's V-E-R-V-A-I-N-S. You can look them up online. Really, Barbara, there's two species. Am I correct in that? The blue Vervain and the hoary Vervain. There's, is there any beyond that that... Yes, also common in Nebraska is the white vervain, which kind of has a crazy-looking flower head. It grows in long spikes that kind of go in various directions all at once. <laughs> cool. But, uh, but that white is a completely different species, you're saying, right? It's a vervain also, yeah. Cool. A different species. The hoary vervain is the one, as you said, that takes over pastures and roadside ditches. And, you know, from a distance, creates like a purple haze. It's a, be- it's a beautiful and, plant. The blue vervain is my favorite, and I've found it more commonly in the Northeast than here, but when I do find it, I always um, am very careful about harvesting not too much of it because I want it to go to seed and spread. But it has like a candelabra sort of shape Mm -hmm. to its flower head, and it's beautiful the way it radiates upward, and the color of the flower is a deeper blue. No doubt. And if I, I know I've seen it in, in wetter areas. Would you agree that it's more of a lowland yes. species? And I, I remember seeing it, man, it was a, it was a solid five, you know, as tall as me. It was like 5'10", you know. <laughs> and yes. uh, and then the uh, the hoary vervain tends to get, what, knee high, something like that. So one's taller, one's shorter. So there's definitely marked differences. But both beautiful plants when they're in bloom and both uh, do, do yeoman's work as far as attracting pollinating insects. They are... They're top 10, and they should be in every prairie garden, period. And I remember, Barbara, planting it in the garden. Actually, I didn't plant it. It planted itself, and I knew what it was because I had seen it growing up and learned it as a weed. Then it was in the garden. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? I should get rid of you because you're a weed. And I'm like, well, you know. No. And then I'm like thinking, I mean, this is this is like 25 years ago, right? And then I'm thinking, well, you know, I remember it's got a cool flower. I'll just, I'll just let it bloom, and then I just won't let it go to seed, you know, and... Well, uh, I, you know, I cut off the seed head, whatever, but then kept letting it go in the garden. And then one, you know, I, then I just kind of said, I'm not cutting the seed heads back. Well, one would show up here and there, but I wouldn't get carpets of them because I had a lot of plants in the garden. So I didn't have a lot of open ground for them to seed into anyway. So you, you don't have to worry about it being aggressive in your garden, people. It'll, you know, you'll get a few here and there, which you want because it tends to be short lived and. And uh, so you, I, I can't remember if it's an annual or not, but uh, it seems to me some references uh, call it an annual, some references call it a biennial. I can't remember for sure, but um, if you have anything I just to, know that it keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah, it keeps coming back, but uh, one way or another, it'll get its business done. So, so blue vervain, when you research it, Barbara, I tend to see blue vervain with more uh, medicinal benefit information. When we're talking about medicinal benefits uh, of vervains, is it interchangeable? Does the hoary vervain have, you know, as as many uh, uses as as the blue vervain? Yeah, just as you said, if you look up medicinal uses, you'll most often find the blue vervain. It was considered a cure-all, one quote that I'm reading. Hmm. It was used during the Middle Ages to treat the plague. Oh, wow. So that gives you an idea of how powerful it might have been. Um, And if you buy a tincture in a store, it will most often be blue vervain. I've never seen hoary vervain tincture in a store. So, you know, it's what's grown in herb farms for production, mass production. I see. And the only warning about this one is that it might interfere with blood pressure medications Mm. or drugs used in hormone therapy. 
but uh, you know it they're, they're both interchangeable as far as uses and they have so many you know I my preference and how I learned about it was after myself getting run over by a horse-drawn vehicle I had so much nerve pain I would often take the tinctures or plaster it externally on my back and it would help me sleep at mm-hmm. night um, it's anti-spasmodic so you know a lot of that nerve pain will come with muscle spasms so it helps with that as well an anti-inflammatory it's antibacterial and for that reason you can use it externally for wounds and cuts which heal much faster and it helps to dry up the blood faster and it's a fever reducer and water reducer meaning it's a diuretic so it's useful with the kidneys and any bladder problems um it's also used as far as like the nervous system very useful for headaches, insomnia, anxiety, and depression. And as a bitters, you know, any of these, Joe Pieweed, Boneset, uh, the Verveins, if you take a dropper full before eating, it helps with digestion and, you know, actually increases the appetite before you eat. So it's good for people who have trouble with meals. That's a good um, to know too. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and and so in in what when you're going to make a tincture, like you say, you purchase a tincture. Or what part of the plant are they are they typically using then to to produce the product? With verveins, they don't use the roots. I've not heard of the roots really being used. So you know, the same as what we discussed with the others, the flower heads and the young leaves and tips, and the same drying it in a paper bag so you can collect any seed that falls and what's wonderful about both of these plants especially you can observe it on the hoary vervain is how it starts to flower at the bottom of the spike and sort of rotates up the stem so that it's in flower for longer than a few days it's in flower for a week or two because blossoms are just moving upward Mm -hmm. so it always has something to feed the pollinators yeah, so in other words, you're kind of uh, visiting the plant and watching for that time uh, when when part of the plant is starting to bloom already, or the, the lower portion of it, right, where you're still in bud stage on the, on the very tips, but uh, the plant's, you know, maybe half in bloom or a third in bloom, right, is probably yes. the best time, yes. something like that. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Cool, that's good to know. And of course, if you run into a big patch of vervain, you know, I mean, you can harvest without saying, well, I'm not going to hurt the pollinators. But of course, if you're growing it in your garden, that's why you want more than one plant. So you can harvest it um, and, you know, have your cake and eat it too, if you will, and and save a a good portion of the plant for the pollinators uh, as well, because they're getting benefits from that baby as well. So it's just good, cool to be able to talk about verveins because it's another one of those poor little downtrodden plants that everybody just wants to smash and destroy and yet it's got all these virtues and i agree with you the blue vervain that flower cluster looks like a candelabra and it's yeah it's a, a pretty blue that's for sure and it's just a really cool plant uh, when it's in bloom but you know the foliage uh it's never going to be found at your local garden center let's put it that way people it's just not um you know so it's up to you to research it score your own seed um or we've actually offered a hoary vervain for sale at the statewide arboretum this year and you might have guessed most people just walked by it but the people that really wanted to make a difference for pollinators boy they scooped it up so it's it's uh smart plant people are starting to get introduced to it so that's a good thing so i appreciate you talking about the the verveins for nerve pain I, that's a good way to remember it 
So. Yeah, and I just want to quote one more um, thing that I found online. Treating infectious diseases has become increasingly challenging because of growing antibiotic resistance. Vervain's antimicrobial properties have prompted research on the herb's possible role in overcoming these challenges. Mm. So people are researching the plant and, you know, with these viruses and um, COVID strains that seem to be getting stronger and antibiotics getting weaker in effect in fighting them, Mm -hmm. plants like this can really help us and they really help us to build our immune system. So, you know, using them will increase your ability to fight off any new strain. That's, uh, yeah, pretty much every plant we've been talking about so far today, right, is a good immune booster. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, Barbara, before we run out of time, and I think we got enough time, I mean, cattails basically deserves its whole, or do you have, wait, before I go to cattails, do you have a passage or a little snippet to read on, on vervain? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that all of these plants, if you are in marshy areas or near streams or brooks or rivers, you might find all of them at once. It would be <laughs> like finding a marshy heaven of all these medicinal plants that grow. That's good. To, that's good news to say. And, and, you know, think of those those low wet areas in and around Lincoln. Um, quite a few to go visit. Yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Uh, do you have a, a snippet to read yes. on the verveins? Yes, the vervain. Um, this chapter is called Aching. She drank teas by the quart. Leaves and flowers infused in the sun, roots and seeds simmered over the fire, each one for a reason. Day after day, she simmered dock and mullein root clover leaves and hyssop seeds, nettle shoots, willow bark, burdock. She infused goldenrod, blue vervain, and five-finger grass unfolding into sunlit water. Whatever she could reach to gather, she drank. Agrimony, mallow, yarrow. She reminded herself and repeated, I will soak up the earth with the soles of my feet and those treasures at my fingertips those within reach I shall discover and uncover will care for and keep vervain withered corn stalks snapped milkweed pods burst seeds floating by nomadic it was the time of year for scurrying and burrowing under gray skies in the treetops and on the ground even crows went silent the days shrunk short and bitter as the night long and dark and that again is from the trail oh that's cool i really enjoyed listening to that that would it's like uh, man you painted a, a perfect picture of, of autumn is on its way that's <laughs> for sure yeah. yes yeah. yes but the asters and golden rods are also a clue of where you'll find these other plants is something i wanted to point out cool cool yeah it, 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 Good stuff. All right. Uh, so glad you read that. And uh, the, yeah. So, okay, Barbara, now let's move on uh, to uh, cattail. And, uh, you know, cattail, from what I understand, in fact, I ended up uh, acquiring uh, one of Ewell Gibbons' books. Uh, gosh, he has Stalking the Wild Asparagus, but I can't remember right. the name of the book. I, 
I did get and haven't had a chance to even open up and look at it yet, but uh, it was quite the score, I thought. And I rem- if I remember right, a quote from Yule Gibbons is like, the, the cattail is nature's breadbasket. Yes. Because the whole darn plant's edible. It's in the grass family, right? It's related to grasses, if I remember right. But, but uh, what you wanted to talk about with cattails was what in particular? Um, the, well, like you said, it, all of it is useful, so it's hard to narrow it down to right. just use it for this. <laughs> um, you know, if you harvest the roots, it's often better to do it in the spring or fall after the plant has died down. And the starches are really increased in the root, and they would literally use those, those to make flowers, like for baking and mixing in and thickening soups and other meals. Wow. But the root can be eaten raw. Um, it's not very palatable, it's very fibrous and chewy, but it's got kind of a buttery taste. And when you boil it, it softens and can you know can be cut up and added to other meals as well. But it's very high in vitamins and it the gel that's released around the root and the stem of the plant is also medicinal and used externally for wounds. And then as you move up the stalk, like the Omaha name for it is like corn um i'm trying to look for the name but i'm not coming across it right now but the Mm. the translation of it means like corn Mm. and it has you peel those outer leaves like a corn husk and you come to the inner spike and you cut those spikes at the bottom and that white part at the bottom you would cut those six or seven inches off and those can be pickled again eaten raw boiled or cooked and they're kind of tasty And then as you go up the stem, it starts forming the head that turns into the brown fluff that we all recognize and know. But before it turns into that, that stem is what they they would cut and boil. Mm. And a lot of people say it has a corn-like taste. And you eat it, you know, around the stem. You chew around it like you're eating corn off the cob. Are you talking about the male flower part, the very tip, the very top of that uh, yes. developing seed yes. head? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I must say, I have done that before. And uh, I remember, Barbara, collecting that. So people, there, a, a cattail that we all know and recognize, the stuff that turns the, the actual cattail, that brown, beautiful thing that's out in the landscape uh, right now, um, usually has a little brown tip to it when you notice it when it's brown. Well, that brown tip used to have, uh, well, it was a, a male, the male flower. And then that pollinates the female flower down below. It disintegrates and all that's left is this little, oh, uh, projection or a stick part up above the the cattail itself the the seed the seed head but when it's immature and green you can harvest that like barbara said steam it or boil it like corn and i remember sticking my nose over the pot when i put it in there kind of you know waving your hand to get that smell and yeah it smelled just like corn on the cob but i must say when it was cooked and i tried to eat it like they said I don't know if I harvested the wrong time, but man, it was very dry. The texture was kind of like, eh, I don't, uh-huh. I don't think so. Unless I'm like really going, all right, man, I'm starving here and I have nothing to eat and I'm broke. Well, yeah. you, you don't want it to have any brown on it at all. It should be 
green, maybe yeah. a yellowish tinge to it. So when you harvested it, did it have any of that brown tip? It didn't. It didn't. It was it was okay. nice and green. So I don't. But it but it definitely could have been borderline close to it for all I know, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I think earlier would have been better, a little more moisture in it and whatnot. But yeah, and and then once it pollinates, there's a lot of pollen in that thing, and if you time it right. You can kind of yes. bend that stalk over and kind of slap it in a five-gallon bucket and all that pollen gets released, and along with a lot of little critters <laughs> that are hanging uh-huh. on there, too. But they go scurrying away, and they disappear. And you can, uh, Kay Young's book, she has a recipe called Golden Pancakes, where it's uh, cattail pollen mixed with regular flour, and then you make uh, beautiful golden pancakes. And I've done that before, too. That And there's nothing more Ooh. fun than taking youngsters out harvesting uh, cattails because then they get to get their feet in the muck, and they love that. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yes, getting in the mud and enjoying it and having some fruit for your labor is a really fun way to engage kids in plants. No doubt. And, you know, and a shout out to Rachel uh, Red Road Herbs for the Prairie Herbalist Conference where Barbara and I were finally able to meet in person. And yes. And a great conference, folks. Uh, keep keep that on your radar for next year. I think Rachel's going to continue to have it in July. Just follow Red Road Herbs on Facebook. You'll be glad you did. And uh, anyway, she talked about the fluff, the actual cattail fluff being used in a recipe. And you can Google that, folks, saying uh, cattail fluff... Uh, uh, oh, what was it called? It was like uh, you can you can cook it up and make a, oh like a, a meatloaf type dish out of it. And apparently, you can trick people into thinking it was it's pulled like pulled pork sandwiches or something. I don't oh know if, man, I never heard that. Yeah, yeah, you can you can check it out. It's on my bucket list to do. And and actually, uh, Rachel told me her her husband she tricked him into thinking that he was having pulled pork sandwiches when they were actually having cattail <laughs> sandwiches. I thought that was pretty fun. You know, told him after what he was eating. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. So so cattails. Uh, b- before we have time to go, because we're almost out of time here, one thing I wanted to learn that I'm not privy to is you had mentioned this this gelatinous uh, material. Does that come out of like the the margin, or where does that come out of uh, up going up the stem, and, and what is that used for? Because I I need to learn more about that. Do you know what I'm talking about, Barbara? Hello. Well, I don't know if I lost her. I'm just kind of getting static. Barbara, hello, are you there? Is anybody home? Well, she's still on the line, but for some reason, I'm not getting Barbara. We may have lost her. Well, Barbara, that's probably okay because get this, we're out of time (laughs) in this fastest hour in radio. I'll look into that and maybe uh, let you listeners know next week what I was talking about. They... They have, oh yeah, there, there she went. For some reason, we lost a connection. We'll, we'll touch base later, Barbara, but thank you so much for your time today on How's It Growing. I appreciate us being able to do. Oh, there she is. Uh, she's back. Barbara, are you there now? Yes, I don't know if the line just went dead. And yeah. Saying, hello, hello. Yeah, right. I was doing the same thing on this end. So, uh, well, I was basically telling the listeners, well, it was probably the the time master saying, you guys are out of time anyway. <laughs> but it's I was, time to wrap up. Right. You know, so but anyway. Cattails, I encourage people to learn everything about them from root to, to head, seed head and pollen is highly nutritious. And when you eat the root, you have to peel the outer 
skin. I forgot to mention. But yeah, there's, yeah, so, there's like, a lot more we could say. Oh, there, <laughs> there sure is. And, and we, we will not leave uh, Cattail alone in the future. We'll give it a little more time. But yeah, and the shoots you were talking about, I used to eat them as a kid. My uncle would make those and I had no idea. We would come down and do a little fishing with him near, and he lived outside of Eagle. Uh, it, it's, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the lake now. But anyway, yeah, and that was a little snack we would eat, and I thought it was really tasty. And that's saying something, people, for like a, what, a 10-year-old kid, uh, yes. you know, to say, oh, you know, that's actually pretty good. So Yep, and it's it's common to use as a pickle, makes a yummy pickle, crunchy, delicious treat. That I'll definitely have to put on the bucket list, too. Always things on the bucket list when I talk to you, Barbara. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for being on How's It Growing again, and uh, I know September is going to be you. tight uh, for us to get together, but I know we're we're scheduled for our next one, I believe, in not until November. No, October, right? October, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. catch up then, Bob. Very good. All right, Barbara, will you take care and uh, get out there and get something harvested today, okay? <laughs> Thank you so much. I sure will. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Barbara. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, that's Barbara Salvatore, bighorsewoman.com. Folks, thanks for tuning in today. I better head on out of here. I'll see you next week right here on How's It Growing. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week.